0: Welcome back to the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andy Tempty. On the Balancing Act, we talk to business leaders and industry experts to explore the balancing acts we play in our professional lives and learn about the events that put rocket boosters behind their career success. Today, we have Barry Kelly joining us. Barry is co-founder and chief executive officer of Thought Industries leading learning experience technology company based in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome to the show, Barry. Oh,
1: thank you so much.
0: Delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really, really excited for uh, today's show. Uh, Barry and I got uh, connected while I was still at Kaplan talking about all things learning and learning management learning experience we'll get into that a little bit later Uh, but before we get started in earnest uh, please tell our listeners your story.
1: Thanks Andy yeah Um, well uh, hopefully you'll be able to tell a little if my accent still is still knocking around Uh, I've been in United States about 25 years now, but grew up in in Ireland, a little village outside of Dublin called Kill in County Kildare. And uh, during the summer times, we'd, we'd come over to the U.S. to, you know, make make a few dollars. And, um, you know, I was always really interested in technology. Um, I was studying marketing at the time and just sort of fell in love with the uh, an opportunity to come here and, and learn a little bit about how uh, the intersection of marketing and technology would work together. So that started my journey. Um, I... Spent a little bit of time in startup companies right after college here and got, I suppose, my dream job um, about two years out of school when I went to work for Berkeley College of Music. And um, they were building an online music school. This was 2001. Um, so my job was to go in with a small team of folks and uh, help sort of, you know, build a school and kind of figure out what the go to market plan was. Spent about a year and a half building, and then uh, I, I moved over to the go-to-market sort of side of things and helped sort of do all the marketing and uh, all of the admission side of things. And I uh, just had a, an incredible career there. I learned, really got interested in the technology uh, around learning, um, how it's delivered, what makes for exceptional learning experience, what doesn't make for a great learning experience. But really, the ecosystem around the business, all the the bells and whistles that are needed to operate a learning organization at scale. Um, Part of that just got me really interested in doing consulting. So I worked with a bunch of companies, helping them figure out maybe non-traditional learning organizations, how to build learning products, take them to market, how to sell, package, deliver, optimize, grow. And that was really it. Did that for a number of years, and just after kind of rinse repeat, I was I, I and looking at most learning management systems on the market. And trust me, the world didn't need another LMS uh, at that point. <laughs> um, there's plenty knocking around. But you know, it was it became clear with myself and a couple of co-founders that. There was an opportunity to build a technology that was assembled um, you know with a, a host of different types of features and technologies and capabilities and that's when we you know we founded thought industries in 2013 and that's really been the journey um, you know the last 10 years since we founded the company has been you know very rewarding um, and has been a, an incredible journey of learning for myself uh you know as a co-founder and a ceo of a company um and you know, just very grateful. And I think it's really been possible because of the people that have been around me supporting me and helping nurture my career as I've, I've grown as well. So yeah. Um, you know, just turned 50 this year. So I've had to reflect a little bit. And um yeah, it's uh, it's been, you know, I feel very, very grateful for for where I am today.
0: Well, Barry, I'm 10 years ahead of you. I turned 60. Uh, on September 6th this year nice. uh and you know those are those are times uh for reflections especially 50 uh i really love your experience uh at uh at berkeley that must have been just fantastic If you're watching this show on uh, YouTube, you can see guitars behind Barry. Uh, I've got one over here. Our producer, Nick Tempty's got a whole wall of guitars at his place. So you can imagine before the show started, we were, it was all old home week, uh, (laughs) a bunch of musicians uh, rapping about, uh, about their music careers. But Barry, if you had to pick one event in your life that just put rocket boosters under your career, what is that?
1: Yeah, I think it was an interesting because I would have said uh, go, moving through my career as a very driven individual. And um, I always I couldn't wait to get out of college, couldn't wait to graduate, couldn't wait to learn, couldn't wait to get my first job, couldn't wait to get my first promotion. It was just get, get, get. Um, I would say that I'm a goal setter uh, very much so. And I remember it was one day and this is, I suppose, how things happen. I was in a startup company I was working at at the time you know, in my little marketing office where I was hanging out with the salespeople and the marketing people talking about positioning and PR and websites and all that. And I walked in to a room with the developers and started talking about a marketing challenge that I was trying to solve around, you know, email marketing. And I don't know, it just unlocked this sort of I would say a kind of a fork in my career in many ways that I became so, and this was at a time where a lot of companies had to develop their own technology, their own CRM systems, their own websites. There wasn't all this SaaS technology out there. And I was absolutely um, enthralled by the the ability to start building things with, you know, and, um, and looking at, and working with engineering teams and building technologies. So that was a fork for me as a, as a marketer, it allowed me to start building. You know, I started. I built CRM systems. I built, you know, uh, CMSs. We built uh, all of the surrounding technology for marketing, landing pages, checkout flows. I got into e-commerce, and so for me, that was something that, you know, uh, had I not walked into the office that day, you know, maybe I would be, um, you know, a, a marketing leader somewhere, uh, but certainly not not somebody that has, you know, spent the majority of their career now, sort of on the on the you know the, you know I suppose on the business and technology side,
0: yeah, we're we're going to talk later about uh, really the concept of technical debt. Yeah, and I remember those days, uh, you know, late nineteen nineties, early two thousands, uh, when you had to build everything yourself. And man, time passes, and then all of a sudden, all that homegrown uh software just builds up into a mountain of technical debt we're gonna we'll, we'll talk about how you've helped solve that for for companies on the learning side uh, before we go there I'd love it if you could give us a brief primer on exactly what is a learning experience platform that uh, thought industries would be providing
1: yeah, absolutely Yeah. so I would say you know at thought industries we are, what we call, uh, you know, we're a learning technology company. We focus exclusively on what we call external learning. So our customers are are sort of, I would say, in two major categories. One, uh, companies where the core product that they offer, training, education, um, is learning. And that can be consulting companies, enterprise training companies, professional continuing certification organizations, associations, or anybody that uh, runs uh, learning businesses at scale. We also work with um, organizations where prim- they have a different primary product, but they, they are leveraging learning. We call it customer education or partner training, where they're leveraging uh, the power of uh, learning to, to, you know, to market, to sell, to optimize, to get product adoption, to improve the KPIs of the business. So ultimately, those are the two areas of our, that our company focuses on. It's a suite of technologies that allows you to create learning experiences. So that is everything from short format, um interactions and uh, learning experiences, all the way to multi-year blended learning programs and sort of everything in between. Um, and also a whole suite to operate the business. So reporting, integration, uh, you know, the de- delegated administration, multi-tenancy, license management, all of the complexities of delivering global learning, uh, commerce and sales. Um, so that's really where we, we specialize. Um, we've been very fortunate to have. A lot of fantastic customers that have been, you know, on the journey with us. And, um, you know, it's been um, I think, you know, we've been very fortunate that we have had so much focus in, in these particular use cases.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, at, at listening to you kind of rattle off all of those, uh, com- that componentry of your yeah. systems should uh, give our listeners a sense of just how complicated it is to deliver learning at scale, uh, especially for larger audiences with, within, uh, within big companies. So I really appreciate the work you're doing at Thought Industries. You've been leading the charge to change the world of learning management uh, and learning experience since 2014. Uh, let's talk balancing acts. What's the most important balancing act that a leader of a business in the learning experience space has to play?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, you know, um, I would say, you know, obviously taking sort of my personal balancing act, that's a that's a long conversation for another day. Uh, maybe We'll, we'll, we'll way, get there in the next question. We can have, have a, <laughs> a long conversation about that. But, um, you know, I think it's really interesting. Our Our technology, the philosophy and the vision for our company is sort of built around these these two pillars. One we call ultimate respect for the learner, which means how do we help organizations create the most compelling learning experiences possible? Right. So. Create an experience that gets outcomes. That's, that's sort of one. And the second sort of part of this is helping optimize the business of learning, right? And those two things are really, it's the, that's really where I see the, the, the large amount of balance. Sometimes I can go into a conversation with a learning organization and we don't talk about learning experience. We've spent two hours talking about optimizing the business, the delivery, the growth, the marketing, the monetization, the tax system, whatever it may be. And so, for these organizations, and for our business, you know, we ha- we're always having the conversation around the balance between those two objects and how important they are to to, to growth and um, sort of you know the long term impact of the art learning organization.
0: Yeah, that that's a really important conversation because leaders, business leaders, generally uh, they. Th- th- De- depending on their background, they get tired of spending uh, money against learning, yeah. especially when there's not a direct return on investment. And so if you can optimize uh, that whole environment, the economic uh, part of it yeah. and start showing return on educational investment, we're going to get more leaders to go, yeah, learning woven into the flow of work aligned with the work that's being done, uh, what needs to be ultimately delivered to the customer. If we can get more people to start see, start seeing that straight line uh, from learning and growth out to the customer and economic returns, uh, that is going to be awesome. So thank you for that. Let's shift gears to you. Right. So, what's the most important balancing act that you've played that's contributed to your personal career success?
1: Um, you know, it's it's it is a very, you know, it's it, it's been something that I spent a lot of time before we hopped on here trying to, you know, figure out uh how my balancing act has actually worked in reality. I think there's probably my perspective on it and then there's probably <laughs> It's probably the perspective of the people that are around me in terms of how that how I do that and how I accomplish that. I think I, I'm one of those people that has to continuously iterate. Um, you know, I find if I think a little bit about the, you know, the balance of sort of work and life um, being present in, in my job and then being sort of present outside of my job. I think those are things that generally will are in constant. Uh, they're not. There's there's not an equilibrium. They're in sort of constant uh, battle against each other. I think um, you know when you like anybody that starts their own business, and you know the, you know ten years ago when we founded the company, there's no option but to absolutely pour everything that you have uh, in your mind and your body into the thing every day. Twenty hour days, crazy travel lots of stress, and then also trying to, you know, juggle having a family and maintaining friendships and all those other things. It's just a constant battle. I'm a, I'm a, a person who likes to meditate and, um, you know, as someone that contemplates and sort of tries to evaluate, you know, what's going on at all times. I'm also pretty insecure sometimes around whether or not I'm doing a good job. Um, so I'm constantly asking myself the question, do I have the right balance? And invariably, what I, what I tell myself is I don't. Um, and so I make some iterations, um, and whether that to be lifestyle or whether it to be, um, my level of presence or my commitments to different things on either side, make a change, do some iteration. And then it's kind of rinse, repeat then, um, you know, as time goes on, but it's a constant, I just feel like it's a sort of a constant balance, really, uh, balancing act.
0: Yeah. We, uh, we, a lot of people they listen to this whole concept of balance in my first book, Balancing yeah. Act. Uh, it's it's always striving toward uh, balance. Uh, some folks say, well, w- what do you do when you get there? And well, you're not going to be in balance very long. so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's it's going to be a, a pretty short uh, trip to imbalance uh, and life just takes you there so. Yeah. Yeah. Striving toward balance and that, that, uh, that the reflection that you're doing, um, yeah. I applaud you a great deal for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, that has been the most important thing. Probably what I've learned from, you know, my, you know, mindfulness work is about being present and in whatever I'm doing, if I'm turning up and I'm in work I'm present there, same, same as I am, um, at home. And so, I'm certainly catching myself in, in both of those different scenarios when maybe I'm not at my best. So, you know, I, I think it's good. It's a, it's, a, it's a good exercise to at least be, you know, uh, recognize when when these things are happening or not.
0: Yeah. No. Well, Barry, we're going to take a very short commercial break and we'll be right back. Okay. I'm Andy Tempty. My new book, The Balanced Business, is scheduled for release on October 3rd. This book blends everything I've learned over the last 35 years and details the management operating system I would deploy if I could go back and do it all over again. The Balanced Business is a practical, real-world guide to help businesses achieve long-term success that's built on a culture of trust balanced with accountability. The Balanced Business is available for pre-order on Amazon.com today. And we're back with Barry Kelly talking about the world of corporate learning management and experience. Barry, many employees look at the prospect of, quote-unquote, learning at work with feelings of dread and trepidation. These feelings are fueled by decades of dry compliance training and page-turner online learning offerings that really have no bearing on day-to-day workflow. What advice do you have for learning leaders to change these feelings of dread into a desire for lifelong learning in the flow of work?
1: Wow. Well, I love that question. And I think if I didn't ask myself that question 12 years ago, you know, this company wouldn't exist um, because I was one of those individuals, you know, in the workplace who was being forced to endure um you know what it was that was being delivered as learning in the, in the in in my job and as a marketer and a website builder and at that time and someone that was really into technology i just felt like we could do a better job you know um, in in the world and so I, the way i put it i would think about it like this <clears throat> to me there's two core components of of learning the experience and the outcome and I feel like in 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 a way, not intentionally, but certainly for a long time, our industry was very focused on the outcome. And you know, uh, we would maybe make excuses for the materials or the process now, especially I'm not talking about in in person or institution. I'm talking about, you know, um more virtual learning or e-learning. Um, I think we kind of really focused on trying to get to the outcome and less on the experience. And maybe that was because of technological restrictions at the time or internet speed or browsers or whatever excuse that we came up with at design conventions. Um, I think as an industry, maybe solar cells a little short. And so I think what I would say to anybody involved in creating what we would call a learning experience or a learning product, think a lot about the experience. And we... As a company, when we started, we worked with a lot of uh, consumer brands who were creating learning experiences. And that word kept coming up over and over again, consumer grade learning. When somebody is is paying for learning or experiencing that out of their maybe out of their own pocketbook, you have to work really hard to make them come back over and over again. And so you have to deliver on two things. You have to deliver on the experience of learning, um, how much joy experience, what was it like to be in there? What was the process of learning? Was it adaptable enough for you to be your best self? Were you surrounded by peers? Did you have good instruction? And also, do you feel like you got the desired outcome? So th- that, those are the two things I would, I would always um, ask Um, like learning leaders to consider the quality of the product, both the experience and the outcome. And the second thing, which is more relevant today, is that the the continuum of what is defined as learning is being stretched, right? So learning is no longer, you know, a formal one-hour, two-hour, 10-hour program of learning. Learning right now is being unblocked, right? Learning in some cases might be being entertained, right? So there's a lot of different ways. So when we think about learning in the flow of work, we have to think very specifically about where the individual is and what outcome they're trying to uh, connect with right and that may be just being unblocked from a pathway understanding how to do something more effectively you know in their day to day job being inspired by a new strategy or a new concept or it may mean they need to be certified you know, um, in a very, very specific, longer uh, learning experience process. So those are the two things I think that are are kind of at play now and and quite exciting about the way that the world is is, is moving and
0: I like that uh, word unblocked that uh, you're talking about. And, you know, our own own egos and our own biases, they they get in the way of that. Well, I learned engineering this way, and so you will, too. It's kind of, uh, or I became a doctor on this road. This is the road you're going to walk down. If we just open our minds a little bit to uh, other types of experiences, other ways uh, of approaching learning, yeah. uh, is uh, I think that would be very beneficial. Yeah. Now let's uh, let's segue to technology. Yeah. This will be fun. Yeah. Unbeknownst to many employees in the workforce, and we were talking about this technical debt issue before. Most companies have learning technology stacks that are unwieldy and composed of a soup of homegrown platforms and third-party offerings. Don't talk to each other. Don't work seamlessly together. What advice do you have for learning and technology leaders to modernize their stacks to better serve their people? Oh,
1: what a great question. (laughs) What a really great question. And you know, I could open the little drawer here, and I could take out all of these, um, you know, schematics for learning uh, uh, stacks at organizations that we've collected along the years. Every single one of them fascinating in their own right, um, and and I think it's it's needs must, right? You know, there were, we talked a long time ago. I, I was the guy that built a CMS. I remember Salesforce in twenty, or I think it was twenty twenty one, coming in telling us that. We could use their technology for a CRM system. I was like, there's no way anyone can build what we need. We're so specific and unique to the world. And um, the world has changed, right? I think there's more and more technologies out there um, that are going to allow you to um, sort of take advantage um, of their product roadmap, of the velocity of development of their feedback from uh, peers like yours in the organization where they're optimizing the technology to to help you solve those problems. It's a a daunting task because in many cases, um, the technology stack is critical to meet goals, right? So whether those are learning goals or whether those are financial goals at an organization, they're mission critical. So by disabling or unpacking one of those pieces of technology can be quite risky, the other part um, you know that 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 is is sort of connected to that is in many ways when we're unpacking um, these technologies is that we have to change the format in which we create an offering or use or operate a workflow and that can be to organizations uh, you know in many ways uh, you know a nerve wracking thing to do um, so I think you know really learning stack, if you think about it, and we work with organizations that want to, that want to collect and create the best and breed uh, selection of technologies at a time, um, they want them to be able to communicate seamlessly with each other at any point. They want that technology to be adaptive, meaning that that technology can change, right? The business needs can change. New technologies should be able to be plugged in and plugged out, communicate seamlessly with each other. And in many cases, that's the sort of business that we're operating in. Um, we're helping organizations not only just with the technology; we're helping them with strategies around how do they begin to sort of unpack the technical debt that's in front of them, um, and also create a you know, as I said, a staged uh, approach to, to to doing that. Um, so it's not you know, it's not always for the faint of heart, but I think you know, for the organizations that get out on the other side of 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 that um, you know of that work process, they see a lot of advantages, right? I think you've got two audiences. One is your external audience, your learners, and then the other audience is your internal employees who are working in these technologies day in day out, banging their head off a wall because it takes so long to operate or, or deliver a specific task, support clients, support partners, and the other are develop new content or new learning experiences. And it's an opportunity an opportunity to liberate everybody get a better quality product and then also just kind of optimize the the business of learning. And, you know, for us, we do it in partnership with our customers. So we essentially, you know, we're, we're a little bit like a coach as well. We're like, you know, when things get tough um, we're there to help out um, and help organizations navigate things that can be,
0: you know, a little bit difficult at times. That phrase uh, liberate the people. (laughs) (laughs) That was great because you're absolutely right. You know, learning platforms within businesses are usually the last thing uh, that gets invested in the first thing that gets disinvested when times get tough. And so we end up dealing with all of this uh, clumsy legacy uh, systems that just take so much time and effort to load yeah. a new course or to right. bring a new module online, and yeah, and yeah. everybody's, uh, especially the folks uh, behind the scenes, are just beating their heads against yeah. that. So li- li- liberate the people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one. But I think you know the interesting thing about all of this is that you know um, people. You know, ultimately, you know the they are a lot of times they've had a lot of experience or been heavily involved in development of specific parts of the learning technology, right? And so changing that, you know, can be a really, really big deal. So I think it's about showing individuals and organizations, you know, a pathway out of that, and also you know ways to actually improve, you know, the business as well while they're doing it. So yeah, it's uh, you know important.
0: Yeah. Now let's have some fun, Barry. Uh, I'm going to put you in a time machine. Uh, You can have 280 characters that you can send to a previous version of yourself. What previous version do you send it to and what's the message?
1: Yeah, this is the, um, I think the Barry who was 15 or 16 years old uh, in school, uh, not necessarily very academically gifted. I wouldn't say that. I would say that, The the process in which I learned, did in in which everybody learned in my cohort probably didn't really work for me, and um, you know I remember uh, at a time having a it was. It was an it was a mock interview. And in that mock interview, um, you know, the individual, and probably at the time, you know, I'm 50 now, so it's going back a while, you know, made a suggestion that, you know, I, I went in there saying, I want to be a I want to be in business. I'm not sure which part. I'm excited about the possibilities of all this thing. And, you know, they basically told me that I should uh you know I should probably consider another career. And, you know, I, I kind of wanted to go back. I'd like to go back and send a note to the Barry that walked out of that, uh, the room that day and just say, look, you know, that, you know, it, there is an alternate way for you to, to learn. There's an alternate way for you to inspire individuals around you. Uh, here's a list of your strengths that you haven't um, discovered yet. Um, and if you, uh, you know, persevere and you, you work hard, anything's possible and and i think that's it that's something as i said i learned from from my parents and especially from my dad who got up every morning at 5 a.m. and drove to the other side of ireland and worked you know 10 and 12 hour days is that you know um the the anything is possible if you're willing to work hard enough for it and that's something that i've been you know that's real really important to me as work ethic and um so those would be some of the things that i would i would put in that little note and and also you hear about this a lot i th- you know i think you know these very very small m- meaningful um these things can be very very meaningful engagements that you're having with with young people who are impressionable and looking to be inspired for for their futures and for their future careers and so i think we as individuals and now a guy at 50 uh i think we need to be more careful about how we inspire those Coming behind
0: us. Yeah, that message of, uh, yeah, you should think about a different uh, career. Th- those yeah. things, you know, you, you're, you know, thir- 36 years later, yeah. you're thinking about, you're still thinking about that moment. Yeah. That is so important to stress because these, you know, just a few words yeah. can last a lifetime. It's yeah. incredible. Absolutely. So, Barry, wrap things up. Final question. What's next for Thought Industries? What are you excited about? What keeps you up at night? Oh, what's next for Thought
1: Industries? Um, you know, as we, we we continue to to grow, we released um, a lot of new technology last year to help organizations continue to, as they do both, right, can create more compelling learning experiences and also to be able to optimize the operation of their businesses and we can continue on that. We've also created a technology on top of that, called Helium, which allows organizations who want a headless learning system to be able to innovate and build the next generation of learning products on our platform. Um, so those are things that I'm incredibly excited about. Things that keep me up at night. Um, I don't know. There's so many. <laughs> Just you know, I haven't. Uh, I've been very fortunate to be part of the, this business since we started, and I've kind of had every job. Um, so I'm one of those um, individuals who can analyze and look at lots of parts of our business and understand and have empathy for those people that work work for, for our organization. And uh, sometimes it's more empathy for them. Those are things that keep me up at night. How do we help them solve problems? Um, how can we build a culture or process around what we do that makes it easier for them? Because um, you know, software and software technology and building businesses is difficult and it takes a lot of commitment and a lot of hard work. And, um, you know, it's, it's important for us as leaders to be able to create an environment where people, you know, can feel supported and people feel understood in the, in the, in the job and the tasks that they're trying to execute. Excellent.
0: Well, Barry, this has been uh, an absolute uh, pleasure reconnecting with you today. I wish you all the best in whatever comes next. Thanks again for joining us, Barry. My name is Annie Tempty. This is the Balancing Act podcast. You can find us on all the major streaming services. Please like, subscribe, rate, and most importantly, share the show with your friends, neighbors, and colleagues. The show was produced by Nick Tempty. Thank you and have a great day.